Hi there, my name's Adam Parr. I'm the podcast host, the Parr City Podcast. In this podcast, you'll be listening to me connect with people from different walks of life, from the military to people in the music industry to people in the self-help industry and many other areas of life. In this podcast, I'll be talking about topics from self-help, mental health, motivation, spirituality, mindset, society, current affairs, and much, much more. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, share, and let me know your feedback. My main intention on this podcast is to have a positive impact. For you, the the listener, to take something positive from it, to apply something positive into your life from this. Now, with without further ado, let's get into this podcast and enjoy. Hi, welcome to the Positive Podcast. In this episode, I'm rejoined with my good friend Kim Adele. Kim is a sports C-suite leadership coach and public speaker. Kim partners CEOs, senior leaders together to regain their confidence in their leadership, to re-engage their people in the new agile world of work, to attract and retain top talent. In this podcast, we talk about motivation, mindset, imposter syndrome, burnout, energy, and much more. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Tuning in, trying to find out how to win. Go along and tell a friend. Marathon, you know the game. Keep on running, never end. Getting better, make a man. Adam got it, Adam got it, Adam got it, Adam got it. Possibility, 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 Tune in. Great to have you on the podcast again. We have to rerun this. It's uh, it's good to record this again. <laughs> it's nice to chat to you as always, lovely. No, it is, and um, yeah, I just kind of thought I'd introduce you and just kind of like uh, kind of talk about how you kind of got into like what you do because right now you're like a you know business coach and uh, speaker. I know you've got a lot of experience in that you know that kind of field and that kind of business field as well. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, it's been an interesting old life. So I started off as a hairdresser, as you know, and then uh, changed career, spent the next 25 plus years in corporate life, working my way up to board um, for FTSE 250s and then retrained to be a coach to help other people get out of their own way, I guess, and um, overcome their imposter because, you know, imposter syndrome is something that is ever increasing for people right now, isn't it? Yeah, no, that's it. And I think, you know, it's great what you do. And I think like uh, that, for that imposter syndrome is definitely, you know, something that a lot of people experience, like a lot of people, um, you know, they, they kind of attain that kind of success. And then they kind of feel like, you know, should they do, do they deserve it? You know, should they have it kind of thing? Uh, I, I listened to a video recently, or watched a video recently with Ricky Gervais. Yeah. And he was saying that, when he did this gig 
this uh, like uh, comedy event. He said it was the same amount of money that his dad was on. And his dad was a laborer that yeah. got up, you know, five days a week, five o'clock in the morning. And he said he, he said he didn't enjoy it. He felt sick and he felt guilty because, you know, he, he'd reached that point where he was kind of like, you know, overtaken what his dad was earning. And he was like, you know, it didn't feel right for him. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really hard. I mean, imposter syndrome, the, the research shows 70% of us will feel, will feel it or suffer it at some point. And, you know, recent research has shown, I think it was done last year in the UK, that 50% of people that responded had said that they felt it daily or regularly in the last year, and that that rose to a scary 82% when you uh, looked at those of them that were entrepreneurs. So, you know, as we've been pushed into this new world with COVID, where lots of people are moving into that entrepreneurial space because they have no choice, the rise of imposter syndrome is is a galloping pace and you know having lived with my own imposter for what 46 years at the point that I thought I should do something about it um I know how debilitating that can be how difficult it can be to outwardly try and pretend that everything's okay and that you're that you're there while inwardly you are fearing being found out to be a failure that you're worried you're going to say something stupid that you're going to um, let yourself down that it's all going to get taken away from you um and you have those conversations so you have that conversation in your head which is like oh my god you know you really shouldn't be here i spent years thinking people were going to turn around and go oh my god we put the hairdresser on the board that's a bit awkward get her off and they never did but i'd have that in my head going please just don't let that come out of your mouth because what you really need to do is get on with, with pretending and it's the most ridiculous thing to say that you know you have to turn up every day and people are like well why it's like because you'll definitely be found out to be a fraud if you don't turn up so the only way that you can try and ensure that you don't get found out is to turn up and try harder and to work harder and to learn more stuff and um, but you don't acknowledge that you're learning anything so you end up being, and I kind of got to that stage now where people go, how do you know all of this stuff? Because like, I spent that many years convinced I was hopeless, that I read every book I could possibly get my hand on. And I learned how to do anything that I possibly could just to cover the fact that people might not think I was good enough. Um, but you can't ever acknowledge that when the imposter is taking over, you can't acknowledge all the things that you're doing to deserve the accolades that, that you get. And I guess it's, um, you become your own worst critic. It's it's a really uncomfortable place to be. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point as well. And I think like you said, um, you know, all these kind of things like you said, like, you know, you was a hairdresser and you kind of went to the corporate world and you kind of have these kind of like self-judgments that, you know, you kind of don't deserve this position or, you know, you're different and this kind of thing. And uh, it made me think about when I, when I did my coaching course, like yeah. I was thinking, you know, um, I was like, you know, in my twenties, I'm in my twenties doing this. I'm too young to be doing this. You know, I've been working in a restaurant, you know, and I'm looking at other people, comparing myself to other people, and it can be a difficult context because you're kind of like battling with yourself and trying to, like, you like deep down, you know that you're okay to have this thing or to be to be doing what you're doing, but then there's all this kind of other stuff where it's almost like doubt, almost, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, we live in a despair and compare society, don't we? So, you know, we look at the seemingly perfect view of everybody else's life, because funnily enough, you know, we don't post on social media, the no makeup selfie. 
um, when I've been up all night with Scarlett because the world doesn't need to see that. Um, or <laughs> dinner or something. But those things happen. You know, life gets in the way. We get distracted. But because we only see the seemingly airbrushed perfection of everybody else, we look at their lives and find our own messy reality lacking. Um, and then we take that inward and we start to see all the areas where we're lacking, where we're not as, as competent or as good enough. Or we start to build that opinion of ourselves, which which can be really challenging. I, mean, I spent lots of years thinking that being a hairdresser was my vulnerability. And now I realize it's actually my superpower because as a hairdresser, they teach you to listen to people, to be really interested in them and what they've got to say and what's important to them and then do your best to make it happen, <laughs> to like turn them into whatever it is that they wanted to be turned into. And that's probably the greatest skill in leadership that I ever had, which was the ability to just go and talk to people and find out what was important to them. What, what did it feel like from, from where they were sitting? And I remember for a lot of years thinking, well, that doesn't feel very talented. <laughs> so I just listen to people until you see all of those people that can't do it, that can't listen to understand. They listen to interject. And, and that's when you start to get frustrations with people, isn't it? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. You mentioned, um, you know, like people... A lot of people don't really know how to listen almost. They're kind of um, just kind of like listening to reply almost. They're not kind of taking what's saying. And I think even though like, you know, you're like, you're working out hairdressers, I think like, there's so many skills and qualities you can take from that position because you're, you're, you're learning, you know, about talking to people, listening to people. And, you know, in that environment, it's pretty intense. You know, I'm not that I've worked in hairdressers, but I, you know, you, you have a client, they're in, you do the hair for hours, and then you might have someone else in, and you're running around, and there's a lot going on. So you kind of have a lot to draw from that. Yeah, but, but for each one of them, they want you to be present. I guess that's the thing that I learn about people is, you know, all of us want to be listened to, we want to be understood, and we want to be respected. And that doesn't mean to say we can't disagree with each other. It means that we don't disrespect each other. Um, and I think once you learn that, it's like, actually, this person just wants to be listened to, understood and respected. I can do that. That's in all of our gift to give them that. But I think sometimes in our desire to let them know that we're listening, we wait for a moment where we can actually um, give them some information or give them some advice or give them, give them something. And actually, that's not what they want. What they really want is just to be listened to. And often the best gift you can give them is totally listen to them. And then if you do need to say something, replay back what you heard. So, you know, I thought it was fascinating. And, you know, from what you were saying, um, this is, I think this is what's really important to you. Am I right? Um, because then they know that you're seeking to understand them, even if you've got it wrong, even if what you've replayed, um, you've misunderstood, you are showing them that understanding them and communicating with them is your number one priority and therefore you're seeking to learn and it's amazing the amount of um difficult situations that can just disappear because you've actually taken the time to seek to understand the other person's point of view and i think one of the challenges we have in life is that just because i'm right it doesn't make you wrong so one of the things that i use with um clients all the time is I have this book and if I say to you I'm looking at the cover of this book Adam there's nothing written on it would you say I'm right or I'm wrong um I'd say you're wrong because there is something written on it. Mm -hmm. so 
So, but if I turn it round to show you what I can see, there's nothing wrong. Mm. So actually, just because you're right doesn't make me wrong and vice versa. We're both right. We're just yeah. doing it from a different perspective. And that's life in general. So once you realize that there is always an opposite view to the one you've got, and if you seek to understand it, you might actually find, doesn't mean say you change yours. It just means you recognize that it doesn't make you wrong if somebody else is right. You can both be right. You've just got a different perspective. It can take a lot of the anxiety and the frustration out of a situation because we battle to try and make ourselves right to prove our point. <laughs> it's like mm. both points could be equally valid, just different. Yeah, no, I think that's a really key key point that you mentioned and that when, when you said like people kind of don't always listen and people especially in workplaces, people, you know, employees want to feel valued. You want to feel like you belong. You want to feel like listened to. And, you know, a lot of the time I've, I've worked in places like restaurants and things like that. And, you know, you're communicating to the manager or the boss and sometimes, you know, they might not listen to you or you might not, you might not feel like you listened to or kind of valued. And then you feel this kind of like uh, kind of misplacement and kind of like kind of questioning what, what you're doing there and, you know, it increases the stress. I think when you feel listened to and you feel valued and these kind of the kind of like key humanistic kind of qualities, aren't they, kind of that we kind of meet, you know, need as a person. Yeah, absolutely. Because because we want, you know, we're all seeking that validation on, you know, on some level that says I belong, that like, that I'm, that I'm important enough. And when I say important enough, you know, we're not all seeking to be the leader. We're not all seeking to be at the top of the tree, but we are seeking to understand that we have a place and that we add value. Because if not, that actually eats away at our self-esteem. It eats away at our feelings about ourselves. And when we're already self-doubting, when we're already in those spots where we can be massively critical of ourselves, we seek that validation from others to help us navigate life I guess and you know I remember before lockdown having to do this um having to do this keynote speech I do quite a lot of but for some reason this particular day I like looked out at the audience was like oh my god what are you doing <laughs> you don't know what you're doing you don't know why you're here you just need to get off the stage and run away um, and clearly I couldn't do that but what I did do was turn around to the audience and say Every fibre of my body is telling me right now to get off this stage and run as fast as I can. And I can't do it for two reasons. The first is I can't run very fast in these shoes. And the second is I'll never come back from it. You've got a brochure with my picture and my name all over it. So you will always remember that Kim and Alplatz is the woman that ran away from the stage. So I can't do that. But what I can do is give myself permission to share with you that it's how I'm feeling. And in doing so, Hope that I can quieten the little voice long enough to get on with the speech I'm here to deliver. Um, and I had that many people come up to me afterwards and they said, you stood there in a bright red dress, bright red lipstick, massive smile, looking like nothing in the world ever bothers you. Um, and yet when you said that, we all knew that you meant it, that you actually were feeling nervous. And I said, yeah, because we're all afraid of something at some point. I said, but the problem is fear is imagined. It hasn't happened. You've got to create it in your mind. So it's not real. I said, and the minute you actually share it, the fear is already less strong because you've now put it out there. You've now told somebody else um, what it is. I said, and, you know, it's like if I was swimming with sharks right now, 
I'd have to imagine that they were they were going to attack me because they're not actually attacking me. <laughs> now, you imagine that, then you behave in a way that funnily enough often makes them want to attack you because you see lots of people that go swimming with sharks and never get attacked. It's all about how they're perceiving the challenge is going to be. It's whether or not they perceive that they are at risk or they're not at risk and they behave accordingly. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's a really great point as well that you mentioned and like, um, you know, for when you was on, on the stage as well, you know, kind of take, you know, take an ownership of what, you know, what you're feeling and what's going on for you. Because it's like, you know, if you're anxious or you're in that situation, it's like as well, if you want to communicate to the people how you was feeling, then they, they're kind of, you know, people kind of like judge and interpret what someone is doing like by their body language and things like that. So, they might have assumed that you didn't want to be there or you, you, you know, they, so it's good that you kind of like, you know, took that ownership of what it was. And I think if you do that, then you're not as anxious. If you say, I'm actually a bit nervous. Well, yeah, because people empathize we, you know, as human beings. We naturally empathize with each other. Um, and so, you know, you say I'm a little bit nervous. Every one of us knows what that feels like. Every one of us has been a little bit nervous. So now actually I know how you feel. Um, and I know how awful it was when I felt like that. So I'm going to empathize with you and try and be on your side. Um, because I do think, you know, most people are trying to be kind to each other. They're trying to get through. You know, we're all trying to get through life as best we know how. Um, and, and I think, you know, that's been one of the, I guess for me, that was one of my, my big lessons on um, imposter syndrome was I suddenly realized and, and this makes no sense when you've got imposter syndrome. I suddenly realized I was inadvertently making my opinion more important than anybody else's. And that really doesn't sit well with somebody who feels like an imposter because you don't think that your opinion counts at all. Um, so I was like, right, but that is what I'm doing because the minute that people gave me any awards or accolades or told me I was doing a good job or offered me an opportunity, I'd immediately go, oh, if only they knew. Right. If only they knew how hopeless I was, really. If only they knew I wasn't good enough. If only they knew I was a fraud. And I thought about it. I was like, these are people that I really respect. These are people who I aspire to be like. And they're telling me that I'm good at this. And I'm making my own opinion that I'm rubbish more important than theirs. It's like, well, that doesn't that doesn't work. Um, so in that moment, I decided, you know what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to borrow their belief. So if they believe I can do it, I'm going to borrow their belief and do my level best not to let them down. Um, and it was a great thing. I got to do some amazing things. You know, as a result of it, I've co-authored three international best-selling books during lockdown. I've got to do some things I just never would have dreamt of doing because I borrowed people's belief. And I've now learned that that's the greatest gift we've got. We can lend people our belief in them until they find their own. And that's in all of our gifts. Everybody, you know, anybody has the chance to lend their belief in somebody to that person and help them get out of their own way. And it's an amazing thing when it happens. Yeah, no, I think that's really good as well. And, I, and that, you know, that, you know, what you did and, and, you know, working through that. And I think as well, we kind of like have sometimes these doubts or, you know, uh, limiting beliefs, but as you said, you know, taking other people's beliefs and us and, and using that and kind of flipping on its head and turning it around and then, you know, kind of generating, you know, those 
new kind of beliefs myself, if that makes sense, you know, kind of drawing from that and then realizing that. And I think that's, I mean, that's definitely key, isn't it? You know, especially in workplaces, this is why I think, you know, workplaces, you know, they need to value their employees and tell them they're good at things because they might not feel like they're good at a certain job. And then they're probably not going to work as effectively if they don't have that kind of support, you know, like you said, kind of using the belief from someone else and then drawing from that. I think that's kind of what it's all about, isn't it? Because absolutely. Because, yeah. It, it so is because actually, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer and I've you know spent a lot of years leading a lot of people. I'm a big believer that people have good intentions. So nobody gets up in the morning and goes, I wonder how to be really rubbish at my job today. <laughs> how to really irritate my boss. I don't believe anybody thinks that. So if somebody isn't doing very well at their job, it probably isn't because they're trying to get it wrong. It's probably just because they're, they're not able to get it right. But one of the difficulties is when you start to give somebody the feedback, the first thing that we do as human beings is we defend what we were trying to achieve. So I was trying to do the right thing. So I'm going to defend that. Um, and I'm going to tell you about all the things I want to do. So I'm no longer listening to your feedback because I'm in defense mode because I'm telling you about all the things that I was trying to do. So when I give people feedback, I start with what is it I think was your intention? So what is it I think you're trying to achieve? And the reason I do that is to ensure that the person knows that I think they were trying to do the right thing, that I think what they were doing was exactly what I wanted them to do. That I think that they're a good person. They've got good intentions. They were, yeah, they were honorable. They were doing the right thing. I'm on their side. So now all we have to talk about is that's amazing. That's exactly the goal I wanted you to achieve. What we need to talk about is whilst that's what you were trying to do, this is what's actually happened. So how can I help you to, to work towards making what you did achieve what you wanted it to achieve? And here are some, here are some suggestions. And they're much more willing to take that on board because you're on their side. You know that they were trying to do the right thing. And now you're just their ally in achieving their goal. It makes the whole conversation piece go so much better um, than than before because we do we will defend you know we will defend what we were trying to do we'll defend our intention rather than our action and I think the more that we can that we can help people and say you know we all needed to learn this I think sometimes we can we can undervalue what we know so I can look at something and go well that only takes me ten minutes so that feels a bit bad I can do that in ten minutes. It's like, yeah, but it's taken you 30 years to be able to do it in 10 minutes. It's because you've been doing it for so many years. You've got the experience that you can get there. So actually, it's it's about recognising how much we know and then valuing that knowledge because we are all very good at undervaluing it. Yeah, no, I think that's key, you know, recognising that because I think, like you said, a lot of times people like we can take things for granted or like kind of be hard on ourselves and then you like you said you think well it's taken you x amount of time to be able to do that in 10 minutes but sometimes we don't always see that it's like um you know how i'm good with computers sometimes people are like you know gosh you should you know how do you do that and it's like well i've been sometimes like, oh i'll be like oh it's nothing but you know when you think peel it back you know i've already been doing it for years you know since a kid and uh I think it's, it's definitely important, as you said, to kind of be mindful of that, isn't it? And give yourself that kind of pat on the back, you know, to say, you know, wow. And, and what, what you said before as well, you know, kind of assisting people in that kind of journey, isn't it? Yeah, because 
you know, we like to know that other people have been on a similar journey. <laughs> um, mm. Because when you're in when you're in those moments, when you're in that, I remember the crippling self doubt. Um, you think you're the only person that thinks like that. You think you're the only person that has those thoughts and that thinks so little of themselves. And because that's one of the other things about imposter syndrome, you don't tell anybody you've got it. Um, because then we get into this crazy debate about whether or not your imposter syndrome is even good enough to be an imposter syndrome. You start belittling your own inner imposter as not being good enough. So you wouldn't dare tell anybody because your, your fear of being found out is too great. So if I go and tell somebody this is how I'm feeling, then they're gonna then they're gonna know. It's not gonna be about finding out. I've just gone and told them. And I remember the first time I got given a coach, and I remember sitting sitting down with them, and he said, you know, talk to me about kind of what's going on. I said, well, I'm just a bit hopeless at my job. To be fair, um, I just don't feel very. I just don't feel that I'm very good at it. And he went, right, okay. Have you got any facts on that, Kim? I was like, no, just it's just how I feel. He went, right, okay. So are there any facts that say you might be good at it? No, no, I don't think so. It's like, okay. Can I perhaps give you some, some facts? And I was like, yeah, that'd be brilliant. <laughs> that'd be really helpful. And he said, right. He says, so fact number one, the organization is paying for you to have a coach. Uh-huh. So fact number two, you've just hit your third consecutive quarter of double digit growth. So, yeah, that's true. It's in fact number three, you have the most engaged workforce in the entire organization. And in fact, your engagement score is ahead of the five-year aspiration. I was like, yeah, that's true. He went to my last fact, he said, is you've just been given leader of the year. I was like, yeah, yeah, all of, the, all of those are true. And it's like, so on that fact base, are you still saying you're hopeless? And I was like, yeah. Because even though I'd won that award and they'd given me this most amazing speech, I convinced myself that they didn't know how hopeless I was really and that they were probably just making a point. And it wasn't until a couple of years later when, when the guy who'd given me the award, who's somebody, an amazing guy, Paul Stobel, um, amazing, amazing leader, uh, and I aspired to be like, and I'd left the company and he rang me up and he started telling me specific things I'd done when I worked there. And I realized in that moment that I had been inadvertently disrespectful to a man I massively admire because whenever he'd given me this feedback, rather than acknowledge it and say thank you and, and really, really acknowledge it, I mean, clearly I said thank you at the time, but really mean it, like really listen to what you've got to say, I'd immediately go, oh, funny, you know. <laughs> And you know, um, and it's it was a bit like a so my friend calls it the Primark brush off. You know, when somebody says, "Oh, you look really nice today," and you're like, "This just a fiver from Primark," you don't accept really the feedback that they're giving you. You don't go, oh, "Thank you," full stop. Internalize it. What is it you've said? What? Why? Why do I think my opinion that I'm rubbish is greater than your opinion that I just did that really well? Um, and therefore, I'm going to instead borrow your opinion. So we did a personal brand piece many years ago and you had to ask people, friends, family, colleagues, people that you knew, liked and trusted, if they could tell you the two or three things that they think are your greatest strengths and the one or two things that they thought you got in your own way. And I asked them and almost unanimously what I got back was brave and fearless. And I was like, 
yeah, I don't get it. I really don't get it. Someone's going to have to help me with this. I don't understand brave and fearless. And they were like, Kim, you've up sticks and moved cross country for jobs that you don't know if you can do um, to work in areas where you know nobody. Um, we would say brave and fearless. And I was like, fascinating. I thought flighty and a little bit stupid. Um, I said, then I wondered how different would my life be if I lived it by their labels instead of my own? So if they think I'm brave and fearless, instead of me thinking I'm flighty and a little bit stupid, I'm going to borrow brave and fearless. And the next time an opportunity comes up, I'm going to go, I'm brave and fearless. What's the worst that can happen? Um, and I'm about six years into it. And so far, it's, it's not doing me too much harm. Um, you still get scared. You still get nervous. You still get, Jesus Christ, why me? Um I'm doing a series at the moment on imposter syndrome with some amazing, amazing um, thought leaders and um, senior people in the technology space who've had amazing careers, have achieved some fascinating um, things in, in their lives. And yet they too doubted themselves. And, and, you know, I was doing some of those interviews and my own inner imposter kicked in, like, why am I talking to these people? am I good enough to ask them these questions? And it's like, but that's just it. That is just your imposter. And it, it will be there probably for the rest of my life. But what it no longer does is take over. I can kind of now recognize it and go, all right, thank you. But they're willing to talk to me. So right now I'm not engaging with you because I'm interested in what they've got to say. So I'm going to get involved in this conversation rather than that conversation. And before you know it, the voice gets quieter shuts up because it's not being listened to um still will try and find those moments where you're feeling a little overwhelmed and sees it as its opportunity to now now might be the time to get their attention but you can just say thank you that's really interesting but i'm going to choose to do this um and just go with it and i promise over time the time that you're triggered so you might still get triggered but the time you spend being triggered gets shorter and shorter and shorter until actually you almost don't notice it. No, I, I think it's pretty incredible, isn't it? Like you said, how, how uh, you know, you had those those achievements and those accolades, you know, in that, in that company. And yet, you know, due to that imposter syndrome, you know, you kind of was like kind of almost like overlooking those things that you've achieved, you know, and like, even when you were saying them, I was like, you know, wow. And then it's it's pretty crazy isn't it well when you think about it how how that can happen and how people can kind of like numb to you know those successes and things like that isn't it almost it's like this kind of numbness to it and you know like but i think you know it's great that you kind of been able to kind of work on that and you know you're you're aware of it and that, and that the voice isn't like you know kind of overpowering you if that makes sense and you're able to you know kind of be grateful and and kind of be mindful of you know what you are doing yeah, right now. It's been um, it. I think life is just a journey. I think life is a. a my nan used to say every day is a school day, and God bless her, she's right because we mm. learn something every day. And I think once you mm. once you put yourself in that space, it's like you know, okay, I, I'm going to learn. And I, I look, I learned a lot since becoming a mum. Um. And I was like looking at it and going, what, what's, what's the difference with, because if I turn around to you tomorrow, Adam, and said, when you wake up, you're going to have to learn how to walk or talk or eat or run or jump, you'd be overwhelmed. We'd all be overwhelmed. And yet the reality is at our most vulnerable, we already did it. 
So when we were our most vulnerable, when we were little babies and toddlers, we learned how to do all of those things, things that today would daunt us. Um, so why is that? And it's for a number of reasons. The first is we've not, let, not yet learned how to say no. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. And then not do it. Um, the second thing is we want to belong. So if you're doing it, I want to do it because I want to be just like you. And the third one is, uh, and for anybody that, you know, that's seen children learning to learning to walk in whatever capacity, what is around them? People there going, come on, sweetheart, you can do it. You're nearly there. So we're all there lending them our belief. We're all there egging them on in their corner going, you've got this. And it's something that we cease to do as we become adults. We cease to lend that belief to people. And yet, if the power of our belief can help a child walk, imagine what it can do for an adult. And so you know, for me, that's probably the, it's my number one passion at the moment is helping people realize that actually, if you lend your belief to people, you'd be amazed at the results. And I remember same organization, we had to, um, I was running the sales team and I had the largest target in the UK. Um, in fact, if I missed my target, the whole company missed its target. So it was, it was a little pressured, shall we say. And I remember on the last day of the financial year, we needed about 250 grand. And it was a Friday and we'd never done more than 180,000 on a Friday. So it, it was tough. But I genuinely believed in my people. I believed in my team. And I remember standing at the start of the day and saying, you know, if there's any good karma in the world, we are going to achieve this today because you have done the right thing. You've been, you've been honest and transparent you've not been pushing things on people that they don't want you've not you've not resorted to anything that lacks value that lacks trust that goes against our ethos and as a result of that I believe that you know the karma will bring that back to us and we're going to get it and if you if there's any team in the world that can achieve this I believe this is the team that can achieve it and if you don't believe borrow my belief until you find your own and I probably did that shout out four or five times on that day. By the lunchtime, I'd got the entire exec team coming down to listen as well. It was like, yeah, no pressure. Um, but we went on to not just hit the number, we annihilated the number. We had an amazing day. Um, and we we came in at just over 300,000. So we like really smashed it. Um, and I had people coming up and hugging me, but you realized it like at the point at which people now had their own belief. They didn't need yours anymore because, and they were then sharing theirs with everybody else. So before long, you just, we all believed, every single one of us believed, and that's what made it happen because we were all bought into that belief. And it proved to me the power of lending somebody when they don't, when they don't start out. So it, we, we all have this chance that says, you know, when you next see somebody who's going, well, I don't know if I should do this, lend them your belief, go, well, I think you could. As long as you do, well, I mean, like, you know, you've got to actually think that they can. But you know, be be on their side. We we're so af we're so afraid of falling, uh, and yet that's something we learned because as as children we fall all over the all the time. We fall down, we get up, we try again. We fall down, we get up, we try again. We fall. You know, it doesn't. It's not our defining moment. And the reality is, the only true failure in life is the point when we give up trying. Because every time we we try something and fail, we've just learned one way not to do it. But if we keep going, we'll find a way to do it. And, you know, I, I love a quote, but there's one that I really like, which is, you know, the point is not to practice until you don't get it wrong. Uh, so it's not, it's, 
completely wrong. Um, the point is not to practice until you get it right. It's to practice until you can never get it wrong. And that's where people get to be really great. They didn't just get to do it once well. They can do it like that over and over again. That's why top athletes um, and top actors continue to train. It's they continue to push that muscle to, to ensure that they are pitch perfect. Mm. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think... It's been incredible how you how you just said like you know when you work with that company um, that you know that you had to achieve you know which is pretty you know pressurizing when you think of it like you know that for them to kind of you know meet their target you had to kind of get a target as well and that you know, it's great that you was able to like you know achieve you know that that result that you get did and I think like you said by by lending people your belief and giving them that belief in themselves you know and to to have you had that kind of faith in them? It goes a long way, doesn't it? And then, then people were able to, you know, kind of use that because you believed in them. And then it's it's quite contagious, isn't it? When someone believes in you, it kind of, it's a bit like magic almost. It makes people, you know, believe in themselves if they've got that reassurance. It is. And it's, it's, it's crazy, you know, how I think people... Like you said, like life, you know, life, there's a process to it. It's practice, you know, if like these athletes want to be good on the game, there's, you know, a lot of practice and action that needs to be kind of involved in that. And I, th I think, yeah, like a lot of these kind of experiences that people have, you know, they might make a mistake and they might think they're not good enough or they might, do you know what I mean? They get this kind of, this uh, self-image kind of mixed up. But I think, you know, whenever people believe in you and, and you believe in yourself, it kind of goes hand in hand. Absolutely. Because I think, you know, when somebody believes in you and you borrow that belief, you very quickly find some of your own because you suddenly realise, oh, I'm doing this. <laughs> I'm actually doing it. Um, and it's a bit like when we go through anything traumatic. You know, there were, there were times I remember, it was some of the things that have gone on in my life. I remember one particularly melodramatic moment Um thinking I don't know how to breathe and clearly you know I did know how to breathe and I'm still here years on breathing um so it was melodramatic but at the time that's how lost I felt that's how unsure I was of, of what to do next but before long you just keep going you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and then when you look back you suddenly realize that you've survived it you've come through it you're, you're on the other side and actually you've learned something because I do believe everything in life is either a lesson a blessing or both and sometimes you've got to face the pain to find the lesson. You've got to go and say, but what, what am I being taught here? What am I supposed to take away from this um, to make sure that I don't repeat it in my future? Because that's the other thing about life is if we don't learn the lesson, life will repeat it for us <laughs> until we do. So it's, and, you know, I learned that the hard way. I had a lot of lessons repeated to me numerous times until I realized that you've got to go and do the work. You know, you can't, you can't look at this and go, well, all of the, you know, all of this unfortunately happened to me. I'm the constant. I'm the person that was there throughout it all. So what was I doing, saying, thinking, acting that attracted to, to me those lessons? It's because I'd not learned them. I'd not gone back and said, what am I supposed to be learning from this? What am I supposed to be evolving and doing different? Um, and since I've started doing that, you grow every day. You learn something new every day and you get to meet amazing people that you kind of think how's that has this even happened have I even ended up meeting meeting these amazing people have they come into my life um but 
the world's got your back. It's like you've just got to recognize the lessons as they're coming and seek support um, when you need to. So, you know, I kind of look at mine and go, I've learned a lot in the last few years and um, doing the work to now be able to help other people that might be feeling the same way to go, look, trust me, this works. I can get you through it because I got myself through it. But it took a long time to realize that. It's like, you know, and that's one of the reasons I became a coach. It's like, I did manage to coach myself from hairdressing MBQ to board level um, in FTSE 500. So if I can do that for myself, I'm darn sure I can do it for somebody brighter than me <laughs> because actually all they need is to see where they're getting in their own way. Where, and that's the challenge for us as human beings is we all have blind spots and we have blind spots for a reason. We can't see them. So I had somebody say to me once, oh, you're a coach, so you think you're better than everybody else. I was like, nope, that's not what coaching's about. So actually, you know, if you think about every top athlete, top politician, top actor, top businessman, they've all got a coach. If the coach were actually better than them, it'd be their name we know. That's not the point of them. The point is they can stand behind you and go, you know, when you run, you run ever so slightly to the left. And if you corrected that, you could take three seconds off your personal best. They just stand in your dark spots and shine a light on them. Um, and that's how you get out of your own way because we all have them, you know. So I have a coach and you could go, well, that's great. Well, we'll just have your coach then because clearly your coach is better. They're just different. They're able to stand in my blind spots and let me see what I can't see. And I coach some other coaches, not because I'm better than them, but because again, you just need somebody who can shine a light in the dark spots you can't see. And whether that's through self-help groups or um, reading books or listening to podcasts, I think the more we can learn from each other, the easier our lives become. Yeah, no, I think that's a really great point you mentioned as well, that, you know, how, you know, we have these kind of blind spots in, in our lives and that we, you know, there's, like I said, you know, to have a coach or a mentor, that's important. And it's not, you know, because as a coach, you're trying to prove anything at all. It's the fact that, you know, you're kind of wanting to help other people, but like, as people, like you said, we you know it's quite a mindful place isn't it that you have to go to like you said recognizing certain things and kind of wanting to to recognize those um those those lessons you know and telling yourself i'm not going to do oh i recognize xyz i'm not going to do that anymore because you know it makes you feel xyz and sometimes like you said you need a coach or a mentor to kind of aspire to and for them to kind of point things out isn't it because I know, like as people, we we're, we're aware, but it's almost like sometimes, like a tunnel vision. You need that third person kind of view sometimes to say, "Oh, well, yeah, you need to improve here or whatever." Yeah, or to ask you the right question because sometimes it's just asking the right question that unlocks the thinking. Um, and I guess you know that's kind of my job is to just ask questions, <laughs> to seek to understand, to go, "Okay, I don't really understand that." So, can you tell me a little bit more? Can you tell me a little bit more? Because in getting them to tell you more they're telling themselves more as well. They're defining their own thinking. They're, get, they're getting to that, to that piece. And you can't always ask yourself the right question because you can overthink it. It's <laughs> like, But we all know those moments where somebody's asked us something and we're like, oh God, yeah, that's it. That's exactly what I've been trying to think about for, um, for, for days. And I think, you know, that's why for me personally, conversations with people are great because you can you learn so much, not just about them, but about you. And um, 
and collectively we're stronger yeah no definitely i think you can definitely learn so much from other people can't you like and you know like through networking and even do, like doing podcasts like this you know you learn things about yourself and you know the other person and it's quite cathartic because you're you know it's like a through for meeting with people and seeing their perspectives as well in listening and you know you kind of self-reflect and things like that i think like you know as as a coach you you know what you do tend to do that yeah no i, I agree because i think i think well it's part of what we do isn't it you reflect afterwards because you writing up your notes to send to the client to let them know kind of you know this is what you thought but we all also review our own um our own performance like you know were we because one of the challenges mm. that you can have particularly particularly as a coach is you want to help um but actually that's not your job your job is to ask the right questions the person's got the answers for themselves so it's making sure that you've allowed them to find their own answer rather than enforcing your answer on them and you know kind of you're asking yourself why am I speaking now what's the point what's the what's my purpose as a coach mm. at this moment um to be doing that so I think there is a lot of analysis after every coaching session to ensure that you are doing the best that you can for your clients and that you are keeping keeping it clean you know and making mm. sure you are letting them find their space mm. yeah no exactly and I think I think it's really important you know as as a person, you know, to to be mindful, you know, of you know of our lives and to you know to provide value and help other people. And I think, you know, it's it's great that you know you've you're using you know your experience, you know, in your life to you know to help other people and make that difference. Because I think you know it's like you said with with your experience, you know, your life experience, um, you know, kind of taking ownership of that and kind of thinking, you know, how how do I want to use this to, you know, to help other people? Some people, like you said, if they've got that imposter syndrome and it's that debilitating, they might be playing off their, their you know, life experience. Yeah. You know, like it's not not a big thing, if that makes sense. No, I know it just makes total sense because I think that is, that is the, you know, that is the challenge. I mean, there is, it's really hard when we doubt ourselves and we all doubt ourselves. Um, because you feel like there's only you there's only you that's there but actually in sharing it and it's really hard to share um but in sharing it you suddenly realize that other people feel the same I mean I wrote an article recently and the amount of people that reached out to go oh my god you've nailed it and I was like really um I know you I used to work with you I didn't think you doubted yourself at all you know and they were like oh my god no totally felt how you did because that's the thing often you know we're, we're that busy hoping nobody notices that we don't notice it in others and yet we're all feeling the same and yet we are all vulnerable about something but when you can share your vulnerability without losing your credibility you help other people to be able to share theirs as well you create a safe space where it's okay to not be perfect because we're not perfect none of us are perfect um and we all have something that you know we'd like to do better but i think when you can when you can learn how to create that space particularly as a leader if you can share vulnerability without losing your credibility it unlocks the power of your team because it makes it okay for people not to be perfect and that allows them to tell you where they're most nervous, which allows you to help them. Because if you're really nervous there, that's fine. I can help with that. I can get you some more training or I can get you some support or I can buddy you up with this person. Or we can go, well, that's okay because you're absolutely amazing at this thing over here. And this person is amazing at the thing you're not great at. 
and could really do with some help on the thing you're good at. Why don't you work together? Collectively, you'll be stronger. But until we open the, that dialogue, until we create a space, an environment where it's okay to not be perfect, then people are going to go inward. And when you go inward, that's when your imposter takes over. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think, you know, like by doing that and, you know, having that empathy as well, isn't it? I think a lot of like, you know, corporations kind of need that empathy and that, you know, positive regard for their, you know, their employees. Because that's, you know, like I think people aren't, people aren't robots. And I think companies sometimes want people to kind of be like a robot. And if you treat your, you know, your person you know, as a human being and you value them, then they're going to work better, they're going to feel better. And it's just, you know, an overall better outcome, isn't it? You know? Absolutely. So I, I think it's definitely, definitely key what you mentioned. And um, like, for the, do, do you think uh, companies are like looking more into this, would you say? Like imposter syndrome and this kind of thing? Yeah. So actually I've seen, you know, I've done a few speeches recently for um, major corporations as part of their employee wellbeing, because I think people are now recognizing that it's a challenge and that we need to create a safer space for people. You know, we've seen huge amounts of um, money invested in employee assistance programs. But one of the challenges is they are, they are cure, not prevention. So it's kind of a little bit too late at the point that you, you need them. It's like you're already in a mess. So they're trying to do more of saying, actually, how do we help people before they get there? How do we create this space? And we've traditionally recruited leaders based on their IQ. Like they're really intelligent people. They're great at this. We're going to bring them in. And yet what they're doing is they're leading people. So what they need to be really good at is their EQ, their emotional intelligence, their ability to build rapport, their ability to connect with people on a human level and create that memory. And what we're now seeing is that actually with the rise in AI, the increase in digitalization, um, and not to mention the challenges of the pandemic, people are desperate to be connected. They want to be understood and to be connected and therefore leaders are finding it increasingly hard because the old ways of leading don't work anymore. And you've got to be able to, to connect with your people. And some of that does mean learning to share a vulnerability and I know how hard that is you know I, I cut my teeth in in the kind of 90s in in corporate banking and you were told never never show a weakness like just you just can't um, and all of that drives that inner imposter because we still have those weaknesses we just don't show them and we, we are taught that they are going to be our downfall whereas learning to do it in the right way getting the help and support in how you share that in how do you bring that to life to make it a, a positive for your team is crucial. And when you do that, you, you end up getting people that want to work for you. Organizations across the globe, one of the number one things that they worry about is the ability to attract and retain top talent. It's in every board um, agenda. And yet the research shows us that 57% of people leave their boss, not the organization. So more than one in two people that leave are leaving you if you're the leader. Now, that is a scary statistic. Um, and there's a further statistic which shows that 64% of them would take a pay cut if they were given a different boss. Shows you just how important the leader is in the equation. And I think the critical skill in the next couple of years is going to be how do we upskill the leaders in the world 
to be able to start to really flex their emotional intelligence muscle and connect with people because that's going to be critical to the success i think damn that's that's insane isn't it when you break it down like that because i kind of experienced that like a little bit with you know some managers or bosses in some places where you know you you have something that you want to share or something you you feel a certain way and you kind of not kind of you feel like they don't want the time they don't have the time they don't really want to talk to you so you feel like oh well i can't share how i feel yeah because they're preoccupied with xyz or you know they just don't want to talk to me and all this kind of stuff so it just shows you doesn't it you know how in a lot of businesses and corporations that people leave you know because of because of the um because of the boss or the manager and it's not actually the company and how like in in some places i mean there's nothing wrong with people working their way up in the business but sometimes like you said you've got these people who don't have emotional intelligence they're just there for the money and xyz they've worked up the ladder to the manager or or co-director position or whatever and they're not in you know they're not those kind of humanist qualities where they can talk to the people in a certain way like i was talking to somebody a while ago the other month and they were saying you know they they want to do xyz in this business but the, but the manager that you know kind of isn't interested in what they have to say or um you know that, that empathy and that, that interest in them i said well they might just not have those kind of qualities or in you know in themselves so you're going to feel you know drained and negative because you're wanting that from them but you're not getting it yeah and and it's it's really hard for people and i think that is going to be and it's hard also for the leaders because this hasn't been a skill that they've been asked to have before so all of a sudden they're now expected to have it and yet they've been told for years don't show any vulnerability don't show any weakness Matt, like this is how you lead people so they're having to unlearn all of that at a time that is really noisy um, for people wanting their attention and a time where they're facing their own imposter so 69 percent of people at c-suite and above that were um part of a, a research by linkedin are saying that leading right now is the toughest of their life and 52 percent of them are doubting their ability to lead now if that's at c-suite that is going to be permeated throughout the organization for anybody leading um, and they're worrying worrying statistics um, and those people need help because you're not going to be able to just do it you're going to have to learn these skills um, and then you're going to have to put them into practice and flex them like the muscle in the same way that you've done with every other bit of skill and knowledge that you've learned and I think that's why organizations are now looking to work with with coaches and trainers to be able to support that um, and to be able to help their people on that journey yeah no exactly and i think do you think that's because of like the pandemic and they're probably worrying about you know the finance side of things so then you know that kind of is trickling into the business and then if that's in the business then it, the employees and everything else are just kind of dominoes i suppose because yeah i guess it's the uncertainty isn't it you know we've all been thrown into a global pandemic nobody really knows what's going to happen we're all having to deal with our personal uncertainty so we've had some of our choices taken away from us because we're having to to lock down to keep each other safe so and and much as you try you can't keep your personal challenges out of work you know you can say don't bring them to work but funnily enough your voice will be with you all the time so it'll creep in so you've got those parts as well you feel very um 
very conscious that you, you know, your people are looking to you for leadership to to be okay to to feel confident that they're going to get through this and you've got to give them that you've got to give them that confidence but who gives you yours where do you get your comfort and your confidence that you're going to be okay as well so being a leader is a really tricky job you've got to manage people through the change whilst managing yourself through the change um and you know being ensuring that you get the right support and i think for you know for a lot of people that's where then they're now saying well okay I, I need some help with this not because I'm not good enough not because I'm not capable but because I deserve the opportunity to have somebody on my side as well yeah yeah no exactly it's, it's definitely strange and difficult times but I think like you said you know you have to be able to manage and keep yourself okay and try and keep that separate you know from like your business and not let that leak into your business and your employees because then you know, it's like it just had a domino effect, as you said, and, um, you know, trying to be okay, you know, and, and try and focus on, like, you know, the things you can control and try not, you know, let your own personal things kind of leak into your business um, yeah. as well. Um, but, yeah, I was just trying to, to, to like, kind of round up. I was just thinking, like, do you have any favourite books at all like, you, you like to read? or? Um... Oh, God, yeah, loads of them. So, so um one that one that I always share with people and it's a fascinating book and it really helps is called Crucial Conversations. Um, and it talks about the fact that there are moments in our life when a conversation becomes crucial. And by that, you I mean that it becomes tense for one or both parties. So that can be in your personal life, it can be in your professional life, it can be, it can be in business. And what happens is that in those moments, we respond in either violence or silence. So either I feel under attack and therefore I go on the attack. So I might get um, louder or um, more aggressive, more, more shouty. Or I retreat from the whole thing and go, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to get involved in that. Neither one of them help. And this book's got some great tips in how to build a safe space so that you can discuss whatever needs to be discussed because you've taken away the fear and therefore people don't need to do the violence or silence. So it's that one's brilliant. And the other one that I would recommend is um, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, an amazing book that talks about the fact that we spend most of our life in our sphere of excellence. And actually what we have to do is the extra work to get ourselves to our sphere of genius because that's when our soul sings. Um, and they are both really great books, I hope no that's that's awesome and um i really appreciate you sharing you know those books as well and you know you know i think it's great in all that you're doing you know with with your work and you know you know your shot i really appreciate you sharing like your story and you know the experience you've been through because i think you know it's really valuable um you know experience and you know what you're doing and how you you know how you overcame those obstacles and how you know you're helping other people as well I think it's really great and you, you know and I wish you all the continued best for what you're doing as well thank you so much I really appreciate it thanks for having me on I really appreciate that too yeah no you're welcome I'm glad we was able to do it this time <laughs> absolutely I hope you have a great day and all the best and you take care Bye. Hi, 
I'd like to say a massive thank you for listening to the podcast. I really hope that you was able to take some positive value away from this episode. I'm also on YouTube at The Positivity Podcast. If you would like, share and comment or subscribe, it would really help my channel to grow. I'm also a certified and accredited life coach that helps people to live a more fulfilling life and to achieve their goals. Any questions, any feedback for my podcast, you can email me at thepositivitypodcast at gmail.com. And any inquiries for life coaching, goal setting or mentoring, please email me also at the same email address, thepositivitypodcast at gmail.com. Now, I hope you have a great day and stay tuned for more episodes. Take care. Hi, I just thought I'd uh, make this announcement that I'm looking for someone to sponsor my podcast. If you would like to sponsor my podcast, um, please email me at thepositivitypodcast at gmail.com. And I'm also looking for you know, people who want to advertise their content on my podcast as well also. Um, you know, we can talk more about it on a Zoom call or, you know, like a WhatsApp call or something. Um, you know, it's the kind of um, deeper side of like, you know, how much it's going to cost and this kind of thing. But I'm looking for people, you know, who have a business or a product or a website or, you know, something that they kind of want to promote. I'm happy to promote that on my podcast and I will do a pre-roll, mid-roll, end roll. So I'll, you know, talk about what your product is and where people can find it, how much it is and, you know, deals and this kind of thing. So if you have a product or know anyone that has a product that they, you know, want to put out there and they want to gain more traction, please, please, please email me at thepositivepodcast at gmail.com. Um, even if it's an app, you know, you have an app that people are creating, um, a website, a pod, you know, or, or another podcast, uh, please get in touch and let me know and I'll be happy to uh, look into it and promote it on my show. But, uh, but yeah. You know where to find me at the policy podcast at gmail.com. Thank you.